you can't can't censor censor us. us. This is Uncensored Parenting. Talking about the shit, no one else will. You've got questions, we've got, well, we've got perspectives. Coming up on today's episode is Dr. Rachel Gibson. She's a Senior Program Manager of Amaze Education at Advocates for Youth. She is also an ASEC Certified Sex Educator. Dr. Gibson teaches us about red and green flags and relationships, how to support your kids through rejection and breakups, how to talk to your kids about sex. Dr. Gibson also offers us great questions to use with your kids to help navigate relationships. And of course, don't miss out on Dr. Gibson's best parenting advice. Welcome to Uncensored Parenting. Hello, everyone. On today's episode, we have Dr. Rachel Gibson, who is the Senior Program Manager of Amaze Education at Youth for Advocates. Dr. Gibson is an ASECT certified sex educator. She has over 20 years experience in the health and sexuality education field and currently serves on SHAPE, America's National Health Education Council. Thanks, Rachel, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, we want to talk a little bit about teens and relationships today. Um, and okay. so to start, I would love to talk about like, what is a healthy relationship? What does that look like? What does it mean? Yeah. Oh, gosh, isn't that the question, right? So, <laughs> right. So a healthy relationship is one that's really full of like caring and sharing and joy. And whether that's like a romantic or intimate relationship or a friendship or the one we have with our parents, right? Like, it's all about how do we care and share and, and find joy in our connection with others. Um, and I, I, you know, some green flags of relationships we talk about are, do we feel safe, right? Do we have fun when we're with another person? Can we talk to them about things that are important to us? Do they make us feel good about ourselves, right? Um, we talk a lot about like red flags, right? But I think it's really important, especially for young folks. Okay, but what are the green flags? How do I know that this person is like um, really good for me to have like in my my universe or my sphere of friends? And do parents want to start, I mean, again, it goes back to do parents want to start young talking about relationship safety with their kids? A thousand percent, right? Uh, People always ask me, when is the right time to have, you know, the talk? I'm like, there is no one talk. Let's have this talk since, you know, forever, you know, and always talk about relationships. And, you know, even, you know, when kids are little and they're like fighting with someone at school, how did that make you feel? Right. And why did this happen? And, oh, I'm glad. Who's your new friend? Tell me about your friend. Why do you like being friends with them? Just those little things. Right. And especially for real young kids, you can start talking about, you know, bodies and if it's okay to like share your body or show your body, you know, like talking about the difference between the doctor and then maybe, you know, someone else that shouldn't be, you know, looking or touching your body. And not just real like small stuff like as they're growing up that gets deeper and you know really starting young is what builds that open line of communication for the teens because we know that you know teenagers are like parents we don't want to talk to you about (laughs) sex relationships but if you've already had that relationship um you know it's always going to be difficult that's teens you know but it'll be easier if you've already had that open line of communication than suddenly I'm 15 now my mom or dad or parent or whoever wants to talk to me like we've never talked about this suddenly we're saying the word penis you know um 
So it's really about keeping those lines of communication about all things, you know, not just relationships and sex and all of that. Yeah, I really like this idea of even talking when your kids are young about, uh, you know, even in elementary school, when I remember like when my son, you know, if he had difficulties with friendships, I never took the time to be like, oh, how did that make you feel? Or, you know, and even talk about the relationship. It was, oh, I can't believe that would happen. Like, they're so mean. Or, you know, I, I feel like that that was a very common reaction that I had, even more so too with yeah. our daughter. It's like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe kids are behaving this way. But I never even thought to sit and talk to our kids about, like, how does that make you feel? Like, what is it? What does that yeah. mean? What is that? You know, and, and um, it's not only being for them to be aware of others in relationships and the green and red flags, but like, what kind of friend are you being or what mm-hmm. kind of person are you in the relationship as well? Yeah. Right. Cause parents, right. Of course, love their kids or jump to protect them. Like how dare they? Yes. Um, and that's okay. Right. We, you know, parents love their kids, but also this point of, okay, someone rejected you. So how does that make you feel? How do you move through that rejection? Um, How do you deal with it so that as you get older, you can deal with rejection and it's not the end of the world and no one needs to come and save you or protect you from that, you know, and that's when we talk about consent, right? That's what it's talking about is really um, teaching folks how to deal with rejection and then move forward. Um, So it's a little, I can't believe someone, you know, treated you like that. I love you. I'll protect you. But also, you know, how did that make you feel and how could you like, um, manage that emotion on your own if, yeah. you know, like the parent isn't there. Mm. I, I have a question because I feel like yeah. what I see um, our daughter and just some students that I teach, they're on like the starvation mode when it comes to friendships and relationships or just anything that it's like mm. once they get a little taste of, uh, mm. of somebody giving them the attention or, you know, liking Mm -hmm. them in some sort of way, they like fully engulf themselves into that. I'm like, how do they ease in or how do they know like these are the pieces that I'm safe with or how do they start developing those relationships instead of just being all in? Yeah, all in, all trust, like let's, I mean, hey, you know, as adults, we get to the point where we we don't do that because we've been burned, right? True. (laughs) A little balance of that, right? And so I think, again, it goes back to talk with them and be like, hey, you know, thinking, teaching them how to balance their lives, right? Which is something many adults we have struggle with. Like, it's great to have close friends and share and, and, and your life with them. But where is the point where, hey, take some time to get to know that person and then making sure they have other things going on in their lives, like guiding them through other things. Right. So, you know, maybe they're an art club or they do athletics or band or whatever, you know, other activities they may be involved with keeping them, keeping all their interests open. So they don't become like as hyper-focused on that one person and then get to know that person, you know, who, our young people have so many relationships, right? When I used, I was a high school teacher for 20 years and sometimes during conferences, parents would come in and say, well, my child, this and that. I'm like, have you met your child? <laughs> you know, so, and so getting to know like who else their, you know, their relationship with their friends, their teachers. So you can kind of like 
talk to them about that person to see where their head really is to help them build that balance in their life. So they, they kind of learn how, you know, what is too much? How can I share and not be all in? And part of it is like letting them learn in a relationship. Oh, I said too much, this person learning how to trust. And part of that is that those growing pains of learning how to be an adult where we just have to let them, you know, make some mistakes. And even though the whole time we're like, and this is going to be an interesting ending, you know, a <laughs> yeah. part of us, they, we, we have to learn that as, as people. So monitoring it and really um, engaging in their lives as much as possible. Um, so you can kind of like, you know, be that fly on the wall to whatever is going on. Yeah. And then, and definitely then keeping the lines of communication open. So like when they're having those experiences to be able to process that afterwards, you know? Yeah. And that's a great thing. You just said processing rather than see, I told you so-and-so was, you know, didn't you remember when you, okay. (laughs) Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. But also this is part of growing up and, and learning how to be in relationship with others. So helping them do that processing and think through, okay, what might I do next time? Or would I do the same thing? Or how can, is really important to learn how to process those feelings um, because processing feelings in itself is a skill, right? Like how many adults just like, oh, that's it. Whatever talking about yeah. I'm good. And the, the same thing keeps happening, right? So as much as you t- help them process without like shaming or the, you know, the I told you so, even though, you know, in your mind, you're like, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> you know, as much as we can um, not do that or save that conversation for our partners or our friends, um, that helps them guide through the process. So I think, like, I want to ask you some things about tweens. I mean, I I guess mine's not really a tween. He's a teenager. He's a 13-year-old. But I noticed that in middle school especially, uh, how many relationships come and go. So, like, you know, my son's had, like, four girlfriends this year, and he, like, really likes them. And then, you know, like, two weeks later, I'll I'll be like, you know, how's it going? And he'll be like, oh, we broke up. Is this something Mm -hmm. that's pretty common at this age? Like, how do you kind of talk to your kids through that um, when, you know, they they really are desiring to have a relationship, but they don't sustain over yeah. time because they're so young? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, two weeks is a, a millennia <laughs> when you're in middle school. <laughs> um, and, and, and that's okay, right? I think reminding our young people, not reminding, that's the wrong word. I think we have a tendency as adults to be like, well, this isn't real. This isn't going to last. And however we might feel, right. But it's very rare that a middle school relationship lasts. Right. But it doesn't mean it feels any differently to them, mm-hmm. especially because it's all brand new feelings. Right. So it's, you know, we can remember back to our in high school, we liked someone or middle school, the first time we started liking people, right. It's everything on top of all the hormones. So honoring and respecting their feelings, I think is really important. A lot of, you know, as adults, we're like, you know, that's not real love, or you don't like that. We're just, you know, and we discount their feelings. So, you know, validating their feelings and listening to them talk about it. Um, And then when it ends, being like, okay, you know, again, it's ended. Why do you think it ended? How do you feel about the ending? Okay. And then, 
really like honoring their feelings, again, processing what that means and then validating a relationship, right? And and allowing them to change their mind is really important, you know? We're like, well, you said, well, okay, they're 12. <laughs> you know, they're learning and growing. It's okay if they change their mind and their style of clothes or the people they like. And so I think honoring their feelings and emotions within those even the shortest of relationships is super important. That and totally normal. The two week relationship. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one got me. Cause I'm always like, Oh, here we go again. Another relationship. How long is this one going to last? You know? And I yeah. don't like even like give it its full value of like, yeah. this is his experience and whether it's yeah. long or short or whatever it is, yeah. there's still that ups and downs of the relationship. And thinking back to, you know, previous relationships and whatever. It's like, we all go through that as adults too. Yeah. That's trying to figure it out. So. Mm. Yeah. And dating is how we learn to be in romantic relationships. Yeah. Right. And so instead of thinking that it's a bad thing, like with every experience, right, they're learning and they're growing. And the more you validate and talk through it, the better partner they'll be too, because they're learning about themselves. And, and yeah, it's a two week partnership, but that'll make a difference when, you know, in three years, you know, when uh, they do have a long relationship, maybe a more serious relationship, because they've had a little practice and you've talked to them about these short relationships, they'll be more willing to talk to you about the, the more serious one or the one that might last longer, whenever that may happen. Mm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about it, the idea of dating. Like, you know, we all do it when we're older, it is technically a little bit like dating. It's, it's, yeah. you know, hanging out with somebody here and there and seeing if yeah. that's something you like, or if you guys, yeah. you know, yeah. so it's, it's a, do you just, you know, and, and ask, and asking what dating is like, what does that mean to you that you have a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a partner? Mm. What does that mean? Cause it might just be like, they wave at each other across the lunch and they never <laughs> yeah. even speak, yeah. you know, but that's, <laughs> you know, or it might be, are they holding hands? Yeah, Or maybe a relationship just means that, oh, we sit next to each other at lunchtime. Like asking what, what does that mean? Tell me about it. And why is it important to you are really great questions. So that'll kind of like tell you what they're thinking. Um, because, you know, especially the younger kids, like a relationship is like, you know, we, we both swing on the same swings, you know? Yeah. Or it could be more, depending. So like asking those kind of questions and what they think a relationship is will give mm. you some insight to how they're doing. Wonderful. How do, so how do you, um, and now talking about a little bit older, perhaps this kind of applies to young teens as well, but like when, a, when you have a concern about seeing some changes in your child's or your teen's behavior or just noticing some, some bigger emotions that come out, like what are some red flags? Like how do we talk to kids about these concerns? Yeah. Well, I, I think um, the first thing is always just um, knowing who our young people are hanging out with and spending time with is super important. Um, and that will kind of help just really guide <clears throat> parents in their conversations. Right. Um, 
And I think the number one thing is keeping that line of communication over and open and asking questions about, you know, how are you feeling? Or I've noticed this, or does this worry you? Rather than, you know, we come from a protective lens, right? Parents often, and sometimes we know that someone is not good for a young person. Some outright, like absolutely not X, Y, and Z is happening. I need to remove my child from this situation. So you kind of have to be aware of what's going on, right? And notice these red flags of like, my child is withdrawing, my child is, you know, cutting class or, you know, these more extreme behaviors rather than, oh, they're spending all their time on their phone, right? That might be annoying, but that's not necessarily a red flag. Or they might be saying things like, this person doesn't like when I wear this, or this person says this negative thing. So like, those are some red flags to think about. Um, and then making a decision um, when your young person is in a relationship, if it is a truly a more serious thing, we're like, no, I need to remove my child from this situation. Because oftentimes we, is it truly like serious emergency or is it we just don't like this person and we're like, this is going to end bad, right? Because if it's just going to be a bad breakup that they're going to learn from and we just don't want to see them have pain, that's one thing, right? Versus this other thing um and so the more you have conversations with them and the more you know even if you don't like the person this this child you're like ugh. but invite them over you know get to know them because what you don't want to happen is your child to become isolated yeah. right and you don't be like well you're i forbid you because that's never <laughs> that's you're never going to win an argument like that with a teenager it's just not going to happen and so invite that person over. So you're, you're monitoring what's going on. So you can really see, okay, where is this relationship? Is this truly something like dangerous for my child? Or is this something I'm just not that happy about? Um, and I think that really can help parents in kind of making decisions along those lines, but not waiting until like, you yeah, know, it's too forever. Late. Yeah. And so yeah. that kind of brings me to, to the question of like, what, is it okay to say to your, your, your teen, like, Hey, like, I'm a little nervous about this or to be able to say though, like, to be honest about your feelings and I'm, you know, I'm going to invite them over, but I am a little nervous. I'd like to just, you know, you be aware of these things or is that okay? Something to say to your teens? Yeah. I mean, I think the more emotionally intelligent your teacher children how to be the better and that comes with you being vulnerable as parents and sharing your concerns mm-hmm. not in a like i'm you know this horrible thing is going to happen to you but like wow you know like i'm kind of thinking about this and i was feeling i'm you know maybe saying you know, i'm wondering more about them i'd like to get to know them a little better because i've seen you've been spending a lot of time with them you know um and sharing your feelings is okay and and were you for comfortable or appropriate sharing why you have those feelings, right? If you've, you know, as adults, we carry a lot of our past experiences with us. So we might be like, I remember the time, you know, and sometimes that's very valid. So saying, hey, you know, when I, this is the feeling that I had, and I, I'm seeing that you might be having the same feeling and it, it's making me think about this. And I just wanted to talk about it, or I just want to know your friends or who you're hanging out with, Um and the more you're open and willing to communicate and share your own vulnerability, I think the better with our young people. Because then they're going to be like, okay, emotions are okay. Um, 
and teaching them how to be emotionally intelligent, emotionally vulnerable, and to process those emotions is so important for all of us. And I just want to name here, I think this is a perfect time to like really address that we're not even just talking about, you know, if you have a daughter and it's, you know, they're, they're dating a boy. It's anybody. It's, it's exactly. same, same sex relationships or heteronormative exactly. relationships. A thousand yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah. And even friendships. I, it doesn't even have to be romantic. Yeah. I mean, I remember being young and my mom being like, Mm-mm, that friend of yours. Yes. I'd be like, what are you talking about? You don't know anything. And then of course she was right. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so even the friendships, right. Our, our young people have, whether they're same gender, different gender, all of those things are so important to talk to your young people about. Um, and it will give you insight to their, you know, the secret life of teenagers because they have their at home, personality and they have their at school personality as hard as that is to hear you know I often as a teacher realized that parents didn't <laughs> it's as much as they thought my favorite was a teacher that said my child never curses and I was like oh <laughs> interesting yeah. point of view yeah. <laughs> and that's okay and that's okay yeah. right because they're growing they're developing they're yeah. trying to get their own personality yeah so as much as you can know the people around them yeah more insight you'll have into like their their yeah. other self <laughs> I imagine too like you know because realistically I like you know you I know because I did this growing up I was so different mm-hmm. with my friends than I was you know mm-hmm. my parents okay. and most of the time I was a little bit more wild with my friends because I could, I, that's Mm -hmm. how I could be. I was accepted. My parents Mm -hmm. would be like, what are you doing? Um, and I just think about like the, the piece of, if you can really see your kids and welcome their friends in and give them opportunities (laughs) to really feel cared for in that sense, you, you know, there, there wouldn't be as much of a disconnect, you know, between their peer life and, home life a thousand percent and you know also you know I think parents love their kids so much they have this idea about they want this life for them and and that may or may not be and you know they have their own personalities so really finding joy in their unique personalities Mm -hmm. even if they remind you of the most annoying parts of yourself or, or whatever it might be, you know, finding joy in the individuals they're becoming. Um, and that takes, especially at the teenage level, you know, relinquishing a little control, which depending on your own personality can be easy or hard, you know, um, because they're going to, they're fighting to get out of control, right? They're fighting to have independence. And it, the more control you try to have, the more they'll fight. So it takes some like inner work of like, okay, in this moment, is this a place I need to let them, give them space to let them learn? Or is this a moment that I need to rein it in for like actual safety? Cause they could, you know, physically hurt themselves or, you know, not be able to come back from that. And that's a delicate balance, right? In every family, has little different values around that. Um, but, you know, parenting and teenagers are hard because it makes us uh, look in the mirror at our own stuff as adults, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether we want to or not. And so it's often like, how are we dealing with our own stuff that is coming out in our young people? That's um, even like sometimes harder than the, the teenage stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, okay. So how, when you, and, and I, and I just want to label right here too, like when, um, cause I'm going to ask you, uh, how do you start talking to your teens about whether they're ready to have sex if they're in a relationship? Mm -hmm. But I do want to name that, like, I would like to not just say like sex being like, um, you know, penis to vagina sex or intercourse. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, how do you talk to, to teens about like, Hey, when, you know, when you're having these feelings or you're ready to start exploring with, um, someone else and, you know, what do you, how do you talk to them about that? Yeah, that's a great question. I love that you said it's not just penis to vagina, right? Because there's a whole bunch of other sexual behaviors (laughs) out there, right? Yes. Um, and I think that's important to talk about, right? Saying things like, well, what does sex mean to you? What does this concept of virginity mean to you? What in our family, how do we value that, right? Because different families have different values about that. And and why do you think people have sex, right? Why do you think people engage in certain behaviors? What does it mean to you to engage in this behavior, that behavior, um, right? Like, talk about oral sex. Why do people have oral sex? That's a great, you know, if you're, you know, not every parent's going to be comfortable with that question, but ask like, why? Right. And is the question because I'm supposed to, because I want to give pleasure because that's a way not to get pregnant or get someone like, why, what is the reasoning behind it? And just really, you know, if you're not comfortable saying specifically you, you can, you know, in general, in the world, why might people, right? And that can come from like, if you're watching a show together, you know, I don't know if you've watched the show Ginny and Georgia. I'm really into it. I'm watching season two right now. But there's a whole conversation between the mom and daughter about uh, oral sex. And it's such a great conversation. And I, and I think a lot of parents wouldn't be comfortable in the way that they did it, but it was great. And so I think that, you know, starting out with, you know, why do people engage in sexual behaviors, right? And and seeing what their thoughts are, right? Because we want people to engage in sexual behaviors because they're interested in doing it for pleasure, to, you know, find intimacy to all these things, not because, well, because I wanted to get it over with or I felt like I had to, or, you know, I have to like show that I love them. Right. The, we don't want people to engage in sexual behaviors for those reasons. Right. We want them to do it because they want to and, and, and all of those things. So really just talking in general, why do people do X, Y and Z? And and then what do you think about it? And they may be like, no, absolutely not. Or they may be like, well, I'm like wondering. And that can open up a conversation t- to more. And you can say, like, is, you know, is that something that you have thought about maybe trying someday you don't have to be like tomorrow night, you know, <laughs> Is that, and just talk to them about that. And, and starting that before they're even, you know, you may or may not know if they've engaged in behaviors, right? Do you know if they've kissed someone you may or may not know? Some people tell their parents, some people don't, you know, and we often, you know, hear, Ooh, first kiss, like also not te- teasing someone about it. Like, Oh, mm. Was it nice? How did you feel? Did it make you feel good? Right? Because those that's how we want people to feel, right? So all of these little conversations, even from like that, that first kiss moment, or you see them holding hands, or you know, you hear them chuckling about ah, someone likes someone. 
helps the process and the conversation as they get older into other sexual behaviors like oral, anal, vaginal sex. Mm -hmm. And then it's like easier to have the hard conversation like, okay, Mm -hmm. are you using a condom? Yeah. It, you Why know, would we? it makes me think about the whole like idea, you know, how they've re said, uh, or re, uh, I guess what's the word I'm looking at, redefined, um, well-being and have sexual health now and well-being. It mm-hmm. makes me think of like how critical this actually is. Like, I know that some parents might be uncomfortable with it, but mm-hmm. really teaching your, this is a part of sexual health and healthy development and a, mm-hmm. in a teen, um, to be able to understand like, Ooh, you know, I, I'm not ready for that. I hear that. And that's mm-hmm. not something I'm ready for, or mm-hmm. yeah, I am ready for that. And can you, you know, mm-hmm. help me understand or help me, you know, mm-hmm. it, it gives this opportunity for kids to not even kids, teens to really drop in and what feels right to them versus mm-hmm. doing it because, you know, mm-hmm. our culture says you have to, or, like you said, because I know mm-hmm. growing up, it was you did you 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 engaged in oral sex so that you didn't have to lose your virginity, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And people were doing it that weren't ready to do it because of mm-hmm. that. Um, it's this idea of of is it for manipulation? Is it for safety? Mm-hmm. Or is it for pleasure? Like that's the thing exactly. that I like really heard there. Like, are you trying to manipulate percent. the person to believe something, or are you trying to create your own safety so you don't have to go to that extra step? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good distinction for our, our our kids to know is which one of those three are you acting on? Yeah, that is really excellent. I love how you said that. Is it to manipulate someone because? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oftentimes this conversation is very gendered, right? And we think about the social norms and social cues, like, um, you know, different genders receive. And, you know, thinking about like young boys often getting this, you know, I have to manipulate someone to get them to do X, Y, and Z sexual behavior, right? And I think that it's so important to kind of like break down that um, because that's how we prevent sexual assault, right? Is like teaching people that we don't do sexual behaviors or we don't manipulate people into sexual behaviors. And, um, and I love that you said for pleasure, right? Talking to kids about like what feels good, like, you know, so many young people and especially people that are socialized as girls are like, I don't know, just something that like happens to me and there's no like pleasure in it. And, and kind of like moving away from that being like, no, it's not something that just happens, a chore you have to do or something you have to do to gain someone's affection. It can be something pleasurable and something that you like. And, and talking about these things with, you know, all genders of our young people is so important um, for, you know, for all the things. Mm. But I really like how you said that um, the, the safety manipulation or pleasure, those three points is really great. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And, um, what, and I know you kind of touched on this, but let's say that, you know, um, a teen, your teen is in a relationship for a while, um, or even maybe not, but there's, there's a rejection that happens and it, and it really is challenging to your teen. Like, how do you provide some support? Cause we know that it's inevitable, right? There's yeah. rejection. And unfortunately I think, we've taught receiving no's as this, like, it's about you versus it's about that person not wanting Mm -hmm. to. 
Um, you know, how can we reframe that for kids or support them when, when they're in struggle with rejection? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, rejection is hard for everyone and really reframing it to, um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily about, you know, your specific traits and it's not necessarily mean that the other person is bad either, right? It's a, sometimes things just don't work out. And that's okay. I, you know, a lot of times we get into this, like who's at fault or who's the reason for, and it doesn't have to be a fault. It can be like, you know, sometimes it just doesn't mesh. And I think coming at it from that and rather than a, well, well, that person is missing out. They're a jerk. And, and, you know, they might be all those things, but really being more like, okay, but let's think about why it might not working out and what this, what are the good parts of now okay, yeah, yeah, this hurts, right? Like honoring the feeling, it's okay to be, you know, sad and hurt, but rejection often just opens a door for something else and what this could mean in the future. And, you know, allowing our young people to be sad, I think you're like, oh, get over it. You know, you don't want to do that, right? Breakups suck no matter what age you are. And so honoring that and then, you know, going back to that processing, what does this mean in the future? What are some things we can do besides being sad and just honoring the fact that, you know, that person, it wasn't working for them. And they might, we have no idea what that person is going through in their life, right? We can say all the theories and analyze all the things, but at the end of the day, you know, another person could just be going through something. It has nothing to do with our self-worth or, you know, them as a person. It just wasn't working out. They're reframing it in that way and then allowing them to grieve and then helping them move on and find joy in other things to kind of, you know, set their mind in a different direction is always helpful. You know, giving them the time. Okay, you have this long to grieve and then we're doing this family outing or whatever it might be, <laughs> um, you know, is is fair. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. This is, this has been gold, um, around just, you know, being able to talk to your kids about relationships, safety of relationships, um, you know, in all relationships and what we always ask our guests on here, what is your best parenting advice, um, for talking about relationship safety with kids? Yeah. Start young. This is not a one conversation topic. Just normal conversation from the very beginning of when they're talking, right? Having these conversations all the time in any way that you can so that when it does get to the big, super heavy stuff, you already have the foundation there. Um, and in order, even if it's challenging, you'll already be, have done all these other things. Um, Cause at the end of the day, the teenagers do want to talk like they, if they could talk to anyone, they would talk to their parents. So they just need us, you know, uh, the parents to kind of uh, give a little as well. Um, because they do want that support as much as they say they don't, they do want it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Amazing. And if people uh, desire to get in connection with you or resources, where can they find you online? Yeah, they can find me online. At, uh, my email is rachel.gibson at advocatesforyouth.org. And they can always send me an email. Um, there's tons of resources at Advocates for Youth, at Amaze. Um, so yeah, they can check all of that out. And if they need a specific resource, they could always email me and I can 
direct them in the right direction. Awesome. Rachel, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was so great meeting you both. Thanks for listening to Uncensored Parenting. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Uncensored Parenting Podcast. We're out. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with ElectroCast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of ElectroCast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join ElectroCast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to ElectroCast.com and join our community today. Electricast, transform your influence. Electricast.